Hi, I'm Maria Allen, relationship coach and family mediator. I'm dedicated to helping committed couples proactively lay a solid foundation for their relationship, all based on their unique needs and desires. Now, successful relationships are hard work, but they're available to all of us if we're given the right tools, awareness, and education. Join me as we explore this crazy thing called love. On my podcast, The Vow, I'll be commenting on items that got my attention regarding a Before the Vows issue. My special guest will be sharing an After the Vows issue that got their attention. And I will venture to say that we'll have some fun, too, along the way. Here's to love. Let's get to our episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Vow, and thank you for spending time with us. I know there's a million other places you can be, and you choose to be here with me, so I am grateful. Well, we discussing again uh, things that have caught our attention, uh, that we just show how wacky relationships are in this day and age, and um, talk about them just to see if maybe we can glean some sort of um, um, understanding of how to correct it, or how we can go about in a better way to uh, make sure that these particular things don't happen to us. So my guest today is Kim Wade, and perfect, perfect, perfect. He is a relationship coach for men, and something that we needed, something that uh, you know we don't have enough of. So, hey, Kim, thanks for being here. Oh, hi, Maria. Thank <laughs> you for having me on the show. I'm excited about it. Oh, I'm so glad. You know, I went on your website, Kim, and it just dripped masculinity i mean oh, the cool. word choices the the uh the visuals it's just like um being in a man pole <laughs> well that's good because that was the point uh, I, I think you're right that it's needed and there aren't enough opportunities for men to talk about things that are not just a football game mm. absolutely and i i would assume that as we get more and more self-aware that um, it's starting to open up a little bit. Men are feeling freer to ask for help. Yes, they are. Thank goodness. And once they do ask and they get help and they talk to other men, mm-hmm. they're amazed how how much they get out of it. They never knew. Yeah, I, I I can I can understand that. And your testimonials too on the website, you know, clearly show people who were just at the break. And not knowing what to do, not knowing what went wrong, and you help guide them back, you know, on the track to the relationship that they're so desperate to save. So, uh, um, it is the thank you. The thing is that what pushes many men to get help is a crisis, mm-hmm. right? And then the crisis uh, that I help a lot of men with is that their marriage is 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 going down on the rocks, and mm-hmm. uh, they don't know what to do. And their wife has said, that's it. I'm done. I'm fed up and I'm out of Yeah. Well, I've been talking about this for years. Nothing's changed. And the guy's wondering, talking about what? You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's it. Tell us 
us a little bit about how you got to coaching men. Well, I started as a coach, as a business and empowerment coach in 2010 and was working with entrepreneurs mm-hmm. on how to build their business. And, uh, and it turned out that mostly it was, you know, life coaching. It was personal coaching. Mm-hmm. It, it was not business nuts and bolts because it was the business owner that was really yeah. <laughs> the bottle. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, in 2015, I went through a surprising to me a midlife divorce <laughs> and uh, went through many of the things that my clients now are going through and uh, came off the other side uh, feeling that I had uh, not only survived, but I had up leveled and become a better version of myself because of going through it. I love that. Yeah. And then it was sort of a natural transition after that to say, you know what, there are other guys do- that are suffering and they're suffering in silence. <laughs> I would love to help them. I'd love to help them. You know, not only uh, I can't guarantee someone's going to save their marriage, but I, I know you can save yourself. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So- and I think, mm-hmm. Oh, I was just going to say, so that's, that's, I just dove in and um, now it's been uh, how many years now? Seven years, eight years? Seven years. Yeah. And, uh, and now that you've become um, more self-aware um, of this territory of making marriage work, looking back, do you now see signs that you didn't see before? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hindsight is, is yeah. twenty twenty or better. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that I learned and, and that I teach my clients is you want to learn from the past, but not dwell in it. Yeah. Uh, beca- because you can't change it. It is what it is. But the way that you can, uh, if, if you made big mistakes in the past, a lot of us have in relationship, one way you can make good on that is to learn and shift and change. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well... I don't know if you're ready, Tim. I've got a doozy of a before the vows. Okay. Yeah, I read it and I couldn't stop shaking my head. I mean, it's just it's just absolutely wacky. And I'm going to uh, give you the highlights here. Now, this was published in the New York Post, July 19, 2020, so it's fairly recent. And the headline screams out, Woman sues man for $10,000 for standing her up on a date. He lied. All righty, righty. Now, a Michigan woman is raising eyebrows online after suing a man for $10,000 for standing her up on a date. Now, is it bad the chance he take going in to a date? Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now... If you want to get some some details here, they have a clip of a wild virtual hearing um, during which the scorned woman rather got to a heated shouting match with the judge, and it's currently blowing up online. So if you want to look even closer, if it's praying it, you can actually see a video. So the woman, Pashante Short, um, had repeat, um, reportedly filed a lawsuit back in 2020 and which she alleged that Richard Jordan did not show and left on her mother's birthday and her mom had just passed. And this is all through legal docs that, uh, that TMZ um, had obtained. 
And she said that the accused date ditcher, he intentionally inflicted emotional distress on the grounds that Jordan had deliberately hurt her by standing her up. So as you can imagine, Tammy, it quickly went to, uh, you know, a, a fight fast between the judge and this woman saying this is not something um, that you can necessarily sue in court. And she challenged that, yes, indeed it was. So it was back and forth, back and forth. And I'm thinking here, can you imagine the can of worms that something like this would happen? I mean, would, would open up. Let's say that she did get awarded $10,000. Because she just happened to get that one judge who saw it her way. I mean, what do we have next? Uh, do women sue for, uh, you know, $1.5 million because you don't look like your picture on um, the dating app? I mean, where do we go with this stuff? Yes, exactly. If this becomes precedent, then, oh, my God, I don't think um, you won't have any men going on dates ever again. <laughs> well, aren't there some basic presumptions that you make when you go on a blind date. I mean, for me, one of them is it, it may not happen. Right. Yeah. And and here's the thing. I'm not obviously a legal expert, so I can't say <laughs> that, but it seems pretty fishy that he, that she could prove he intentionally inflicted that, yeah. a harm on her. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Stretching it. You know, he didn't, what did he set up the date in in and why and was like I'm gonna ghost this person on right. purpose? Well, in her mind, I guess he had been staying out of night after night, you know, plotting this this evil plot against her. Who, um, quite frankly, they're both strangers. Um, just just crazy, crazy. And as we go on, they I guess did some homework on this woman, and she seems to be a serial sewer. Uh. So. She sued, um, let me get down here, um, AT&T for $300 million because somebody came to um, her house to set something up and messed with one of the cords in her, in her house and the reception wasn't as good as it was promised to be. So they lied. And she also sued um, Apple for $1 trillion saying that um, something frivolous that happened. Now, they don't go into details with Apple, but I don't know. Maybe she's just making a career out of suing people. Maybe that's just it. It sounds like it. And, you know, that's, that says a lot about uh, there was a point where we sort of became that society that mm -hmm. lose no over anything mm -hmm. that I was thinking you might be able to make a quick score. I remember this, the case that kind of started this way back when it was a woman who spilled hot coffee on her lap i remember i remember they were at mcdonald's she should sued mcdonald's and won yeah yes she did and that was the thing where a bunch of people probably went oh hey wait a minute i could cash in on this what's, what's interesting to me is what do you think this says about yeah relationships and dating mm -hmm. uh you know it, it's like was she even being disingenuous in setting up a date with him? That's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, the first thing that came to mind when you asked about what this says about relationships is, you know, relationships are hard. They really are. It is a journey that, you know, um, hopefully you get to the point 
um, that you want to get to, but it's hard. And I'm thinking maybe this woman, um, along with the trauma of losing her mom or stuff, had got on some real Jedi dates or had been, um, you know, this before in different days. And maybe the accumulation of it all was just too much for her to bear. And she had to just scream and sue. I don't know. Would be, but you know what? Yeah. If you've been dating at all, if you're single and been dating, then you've probably been on a yucky date. Of you course. Know. Yeah. Just, uh, maybe what she had planned originally was she would go out to dinner with him, and then she'd say she was a vegetarian and, and, and harmed her by ordering the steak. Yes. And then he ghosted her, and she's like, oh, better still. Yeah. Yeah. And you think that when you have traumatic things that happen in your life, do you think it might be important to take a breather uh, just to wrap your head around the situation before you move on to anything, um, you know, I call it serious, like dating or, or anything of that nature? Absolutely, 100%. Yeah. Um, yeah. In fact, that comes up in my practice all the time, which mm -hmm. is men who, you know, go through divorce and are finally single again. Mm -hmm. And I say, yeah, why don't you just take it easy and get to know yourself, mm -hmm. get to know who you are, what you want, uh, what, what you have, where you see your life going. And I, I tell them pretty straightforward, give it a year. Yeah. Oh, I agree. Yeah, I agree. And I think it takes a year to get out of the, the habit of being with that other person and, you know, allowing yourself to open up to, to something new you know, to something that your eyes can finally see. You're still in the days of being in, in the marriage or the days of being in the, the relationship. And you really uh, are still, you know, uh, mentally ill. You know? <laughs> True, I'm mentally so, ill anyway. Uh... Yeah, yeah. It's, it's sometimes just, to, you know, unravel everything. You know, Terry, sure. you say, though, that, that men rebound really quick after um, a breakup. They well, need to be with... A woman, more than a woman, needs to be with a man in terms of time frame. That's very, very often the case. Yeah. Uh, and and that rebound is such a fantasy relationship, right? Mm -hmm. Because they haven't learned anything up to that point for the most part. And then this this other per this new person, it feels great and awesome. Yeah. But just like the honeymoon, and and they're going to be perfect and. And I think some of it is based on, or maybe all of it, the fact that the idea of someone else fixing you. Mm, oh, I love that. Yeah. And so you, instead of looking within, you say, how do I create my own well-being, my own happiness that I can then share with someone else? Yeah. It's no, this person has to make me happy, fulfill mm -hmm. me, uh, fix me, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Men, men are... Uh, are more insecure in that way. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. And I, I think also that quick rebounding is a way to distract you um, from what's, what you really need. I mean, you know, having to go in and figure out what your part was in this this um, disillusion of whatever it is, I mean, that it's hard to do. And it's so much easier to be distracted by, um, like you said, the highs of a honeymoon thing. Absolutely. And, and one of the things that uh, anyone who becomes single, I believe, needs to learn is how to be, how to enjoy their own company. Oh, that's so true. Right? 
was how to be okay with being alone. You know, being alone is different than loneliness. Yes, yes. It, it's so true. I mean, I live by myself, and I never lived by myself until now. Um, you know, with, was with mom and dad, went to college, lived in the dorm, and then went on to my first husband, lived with him. At, let's see, 58 is when I finally got my first place. And I love it. And I, I'm really possessive of my place. I, I just don't want anybody hanging around. <laughs> I, I had to go home. I'm with you. I'm with you, Maria. Yeah. I love yeah. my house. My it's my my safe place. Yeah, I can relax. And I don't. I I guard my solitude yeah. jealously. You know. I think it was someone was a, I don't know who it was, an actress, who, an old time actress who said, uh, they said, are you going to get married again? And she said, well, I would have to meet someone who significantly improves on my solitude. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. And you know, it's, it, let me tell you, good along with that, it's hard finding a partner who is not only comfortable with your solitude, but can improve upon it. Because it just seems like people have a hard time letting you have that personal space without taking it personally. Absolutely. In fact, I, I was talking to someone the other day um, about the idea that we are conditioned, most of us as we grew up, to believe that marriage and a relation, long-term relationship was all about you do everything together, you yeah. think the same, you have all the same opinions, you have all the same friends, usually couples. Um, you're kind of joined at the hip the whole time. And that doesn't make for the strongest relationship, believe No, it doesn't. I, I think you're absolutely right. I, I think that in able to grow as a couple, you have to grow as a person. And doing everything in tandem with your partner, I mean, it really is hard to experience new things when you're bound at the hip with somebody, you know, and to meet new people and to get outside of that bubble. Well, it's hard to bring new things to the relationship that yeah. are interesting. You know, mm -hmm. Esther Burrell, uh, who's, you know, done so much work on uh, mm -hmm. what makes a marriage work, especially in terms of passion, she said that the the desire and need to be close, and which is all part of it as well, we need to bond and be close and be safe and be secure. Mm -hmm. She said that kills passion. So you have to have this this uh, balance, which is kind of paradoxical, that mm -hmm. you have to have a certain amount of separateness yeah, you have a, and a certain amount of togetherness, and that between the two, you create this we kind of space, you know, uh, that you share, but you have very separate or very distinct, let's say, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, things that you're, uh, whether they're friends, hobbies, activities, uh, likes, dislikes, um, and and in that sense, it, you can keep it fresh because yeah. you're you have new things. I worked with my ex-wife in the same business, mm -hmm. and it was a home business. Mm. You can imagine how much that might have affected our our relationship. Yeah, I I can absolutely see that. So we're at home and together, twenty four seven. This you know at the end yeah, of the whole, you, you don't have yeah. who to say. Well, yeah, and and where's your your special place? Well, like, it's not work because person's work. It's not. I mean, where's your little thing that's just yours? Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. That it's 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 really the classic 
a meshment, you know. Uh-huh. Just, yeah, we're, we we do everything together, and 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 eventually, this is why people say, "Well, I don't know why we don't we're not you know physically intimate anymore." Right. You know, we because you're my buddy. Yeah, because you've become my roommate and my buddy. Absolutely. That's yeah. fine, but yeah. not, that's not what most people want in a full whole relationship, right? Sure. No, that's that's true. That's true. I hear that a lot. Um, gosh, you know, we spend all of our time together. We tell each other everything. And I also hear we never iron you. And when I hear that, immediately red flags come up. Because as two separate individuals, you cannot possibly agree on everything unless one is bowing to the other and you go, he's going back and forth like that. No, we never argue. We never have disagreements. Okay. I had a, a, a early in my development as a as a, in relationship. I had a counselor once say, "I said, well, we don't really argue." And he said, mm-hmm. "Oh, I tell you what, why don't you guys go off and have a good argument, and come back." <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Then, then we can know what we're talking about because right now, you know, the unicorns are bouncing around the room. Right? Let's give me something to work with here. Some, some real <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Exactly. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's really about learning how to have a conflict uh, in a way that's not destructive. And, and, and this is the big and, yeah. how do you come back together after conflict? Yeah. Yeah. All that's so the, true. The repair process. Uh, oh, I love that. That's so true. How do you disagree in a way where it can be a win-win for both of you and where you don't wound the other person? To get your way, right? Yeah, yeah, and and that's really uh, most conflict, most arguments are about silly things. Mm-hmm. First of all, uh, and often like the the argument starts about something, the underwear. Yeah. Why'd you leave your underwear? In <laughs> yeah, and then you're arguing, and the other person says, "Well, I don't like this," and blah blah blah, and then then that then you say, "Well, I didn't like the way you just said that," and I think right. it's respectful, and and then well, well, you're always yelling, and all of a sudden you're arguing about arguing, exactly, and, and you're arguing too, not necessarily to get to a point, but you're arguing because you're going to be the right one, and you're going to convince that other person that you're right. Exactly about anything, and about so anything. so it's like okay, now you're wrong because you said that, and and the, the underwear on the floor is long forgotten, and <laughs> and you're just reacting to the other person's reaction, and that becomes like a a tennis match. Or it, it does, it absolutely does. You know what? I am wondering um, how many days Shante Short will get after its article posted in the New York Post. I mean, they'll be lining up to go out with her. I don't think so. Mm. Not at all. Can you imagine all the uh, things you might want be doing wrong accidentally? Oh, and if you're not, you she'll find something. Yeah, right. Exactly. She'll find something. Poor thing. Poor thing. Okay. Yeah. Well, interesting. I knew that was something I wanted to talk about. All right. It's something else. It is. It is something though. So. Before the vows has been cattle killed, when do you have for it after the vows? After the vows. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, it, uh, some of it already came up in, in talking yeah. about before the vow because it, some of these things are just human relationships. Mm-hmm. They're not even, you know, issues. 
uh, and they come up in marriage and in long-term relationships because uh, that's the place where you can become the most vulnerable. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and that's the place where uh, your childhood wounds will come up. Yeah. In fact, uh, I believe that we often pick someone to be with who will show us in one way or the other where where our childhood wounds are, our unhealed mm-hmm. issues, mm-hmm. and they'll show it by. Uh, I had a therapist who said, "Well, you you guys both kind of step on each other's childhood wounds. You step on each other's toes all the time, and it, it might be that. It might be holding up a metaphorical mirror. Mm-hmm. It might be all sorts of things. But that person is showing you something there that needs to be worked on, and a lot of people don't like that." Or, or realize it. Yeah. Or realize it. Yeah. And so, you know, they end up, uh, you know, thinking, oh, this person is 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 just awful and horrible. I'm going to go find another person mm-hmm. who won't do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it was um, Byron Katie who wrote the book, uh, Loving What Is. Uh, she's had a great quote. She said, you know, people use this word trigger. Mm-hmm. A little pretty overused, but, you know, meaning... I have an issue inside of me that I haven't worked on or healed, and then you say something and it pokes that, and mm-hmm. it's and it's and it hurts. Ow! Mm-hmm. And she said, "Look, when you're triggered, it's your job to remove the trigger or heal the trigger. Mm-hmm. It's not your job. It is not to get the other person to stop triggering you. Yeah, yeah. But isn't that what we've done so much? Absolutely. I'm doing that." That makes me mad. That triggers me. Stop it. Absolutely. If, if only he didn't. If only she didn't, we'd be right. happy. If only, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Truth is, it's like, no, the work is on your side of the street, actually. Yeah. And and sure, there are some problems you work you need to work out together. But there's so much more, there's so much fewer of them than people think. Yeah. They yeah. think it's all about I guess solve our big problems in our relationship, and it's like, no, we we bring a lot of problems to the relationship. No, we do. We absolutely do. And you know, I I'm just thinking here. The number one issue that seems to pop up in terms of taking that onion skin off and really digging, digging is fear. There's so much fear mm-hmm. um, that people express through anger, through you know all kinds of different emotions, but people are scared. Yep. They're scared for some really basic things, I believe. Yeah. One thing is they're afraid, they're afraid of being judged. Mm-hmm. They're afraid of being judged and, and being uh, seen as less than or broken. Yeah. And so there's a lot of armor that goes up to ward that shame, you know, to feel ashamed. Uh, they, they don't want to feel that. And so, like you said, it comes out with anger. It comes yeah. out with all yeah. sorts of mutant behavior basically yeah yeah and so i think that you know one thing that is is so important and and this has been life-changing for me and and for a lot of the people that i work with and that is there's a way of listening that sets the stage for a person feeling seen and understood Mm -hmm. without being judged Mm -hmm. and it's a it's an actual technique. It's not just like, well, listen better, right? Yeah. Yeah. None of us were taught how to listen. I don't know. I wasn't. Mm-mm. No. I was told to listen a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was a kid. Yeah. You know. 
Stop talking to your neighbor and listen. Okay. It's such a difference and a misunderstanding between listening and hearing. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. And so it's it, it, it's not anyone's fault that they weren't, no, when none of us knew, like, well, this is how you actually listen to someone so they feel understood. Mm-hmm. And um, can I tell you what the, what the, the steps are? Please. Okay, great. Because I'm very excited about this because it's oh, good, good, good. Please. so well. And it's this. <laughs> the first thing is if, if someone has a problem, whether it's with you or with something else or anything, um, you have to have a mindset of curiosity and empathy. So you have to really want to know how this person ticks, mm-hmm. what's really going on with them. Most of us come to listening to any art conversation, but especially if it's an emotional conversation, with a, a different mindset. It's usually, uh, do I agree with this person? Oh, that's so huge. Yes. Right? Yeah. Uh, uh, is there, I, I, I think I'm right and they're wrong and I'm going to prove it. Uh, there's also listening for agreement, listening for, um, and men, here's what men listen for. What's the problem I need to fix? Yes, yes. Right? So they listen. men listen for, for that. They listen for facts and information. Because mm-hmm. uh, for, for the male mind, the masculine mind is, is very task-oriented and very much like what needs to be done and what do I yes. need to know? What do I need to know? And can we come to some, I, I got to know what I got to do. Um, uh, the feminine mind it can often be much more indirect and talk about feelings mm-hmm. and talk about uh and even hint at things they, they don't women don't even know they're hinting because they're just used to talking this way yes or, yes or, and, you know they talk to their girlfriends and they get it so what's what's wrong with that yeah exactly yeah i don't know how no. to listen to that no and the women don't know how to talk to the language of men on yes so it's like oh what an impasse um, and so it, it, there's a book by a woman named Deborah Tannen, and I think it's called uh, You Just Don't Understand. Oh, yes. I, I'm very familiar with that. That was popular a little after the uh, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Yes, yes. yes. I may be saying it wrong, but yeah, I do know that. Um, and uh, and I, I yes, it's it's old and so am I. Uh, it's uh, online, but I, but it was one of the first books I read about the you know male female relationship. It opened up a lot of eyes. It was really territory. It did mine. And what yeah. she said was that watching children play, she discovered how the development of interpersonal communication was f- totally different for little boys and little girls, and little boys did tasks together and competed. That was what they did. They built something or they played a game that was like sports or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Whereas little girls played house and they uh, they would share secrets with their best friend to talk about how they felt and things like that. Yeah. yeah. And so then flash forward, you get married and uh, you don't know any of this. And a woman thinks, Great, I'm marrying my best friend, and what we're going to do is play house. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell him all my secrets, and mm-hmm. we're going to talk about feelings and and have tea. Run the boat. And then a man is like, "Okay, great. We're going to build a house. We're going to find problems to fix, and uh, you know, conquer the world." Yeah. And now we need to know this. People need to know this. Yes. 
and neither is right or wrong. It yeah. just is. It just is. Yes. But if you don't understand it, boy, that can be a big conflict. And and so this this idea that I've been teaching my clients is that you start with empathy and real curiosity. I, I really want to know what this person has to say. Uh, less than, the, you know, they say, uh, strive to be, to understand more than to be understood. Mm-hmm. The second point is, and this is the big one, you listen for what's the feeling or emotion that's going up along. Mm, yeah, you love that. Okay. And what you do is you validate the feelings, the emotions in the other person. And it sounds something like this. Well, I, I understand how you feel. Or uh, I can see why you feel that way. Yeah. Uh, I would probably feel that way if I were in that. Mm. There are all ways of validating. And if maybe you've been through a similar thing, you say, oh, you know what? I went through that and I felt just like that. And I even felt like this. And the person goes, yes, I feel that too. Now you've, now you've connected. So true. I tell you, if you want to end the conversation with the woman when she's saying something to you, um, look at her and say, don't be silly. We're done. <laughs> right. We're done. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and so, and the, you know, and the truth of the matter is all people, all, you know, men, women, children, all want to be understood and seen sure. and heard. Sure. And not judged. So when you validate someone's, what they're feeling, you're saying your emotions are, are, are normal and natural and understandable. And you're not wrong for having feelings. Yeah. All of that's what you're doing. And first of all, the armor comes off, right? The walls yeah. come down. And then the person can really start to share. Well, yeah, and then I was feeling like this or this happened. And, and you listen and, and tell me more. That's curiosity. Tell me more. You, what else? Listen. Actually listen and hear, like you said. And so once you've done that... Um, there's no fixing to be done at that point. Uh, yes. You don't jump, and I'm talking to the men out there, if any of you are listening. You don't look for the problem to be fixed. You're just being with them. You might, if it's appropriate, ask them, what do you think you're going to do about that? Or is there anything I could help you with? Now, how will a guy know, Tim, if it's appropriate? You know, because guys, you have they really need the A, B, C, D. I, you're right. They need yeah. a roadmap. Um, <laughs> mostly, I think it has to come from this intention to see the other person as capable mm. and not broken. Mm. So you think, you know, the, the person who becomes the fix-it guy, uh, it seems noble and perhaps helpful and all of these different things, but it comes from a place of an of not seeing the other person as being able to cope or that's, being able oh, to that's so true. So, so if you, true. Yeah, so if you hold someone with positive regard, if you really hold someone and say, I know that you can take care of yourself. Yeah. I love that about you. Exactly. Mm-hmm. If you need support, I'm right here. This is a thought pattern. This is not a script, okay? Mm-hmm. That's how you're approaching it, seeing them as powerful not as weak and broken and something that needs to be fixed. And for men too, I mean, it's got to be flattering initially when you're the, the knight in shining armor who, you know, she looks up at you adoringly, thank you, thank you. 
But that gets old after a while. That gets tiring, saving and being the knight in shining armor tied after time. Yeah, that that agreement, and it is an agreement that mm. that is never spoken of, which is like, you'll be the knight in shining armor. Yeah. I'll be the damsel in distress. Right, right. And we'll live happily ever after. Mm. You're right. It, do, it not only becomes tiring, but then it mm. just becomes, the, the, the man starts to feel like that's all he's good for. Ooh, yeah. A woman doesn't feel empowered or like she has any say so or uh, any agency in, yeah. in her life or in the relationship. This is where a lot of relationships fall apart, actually, is mm-hmm. uh, a, a guy feeling like that. I'm, I'm a paycheck and fix the wall. Oh my gosh, I hear that. Absolutely. It's the and, paycheck here. And then women go, I don't know who I am and I lost mm. myself and, and I gave it away. I, I turned it over. Yeah, and the yeah. only way the only way to get out of that, I believe, or, or the best way, is to realize it's an agreement, and not to to change that dynamic. In other words, without a damsel in distress, there can't be a hero. That's he, right. He doesn't have a job at that point. You know, he's kind of like a like out of work, floating. Yeah. And the same way is that if a man can look at a woman as uh, not weak and less than then she doesn't feel, need to feel uh, for any reason that she has to, um, you know, I think a lot of women sometimes succumb to men or, 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 you know, they say, oh, well, you fix this because they think it'll help a man's ego. I, I think you're right. I, I think you're right. It's, they're, they're doing them a loving gesture by, by requesting things. I think you're right. And there are legitimate requests, mm-hmm. absolutely. You know, it's like the, my ex-wife couldn't fix a sink to save her life. Mm, me either. Mm-mm. But uh, but I think that there's ways in which we can empower each other. Sure. And some, you know, women talk a lot about having the uh, the to bear the the weight of um, you know the um, emotional. <laughs> that is true, and and socially too. I hear and socially mm-hmm. and. One of the wake-up calls, I think, for men is that um, that is not women's work. Mm-hmm. Being Having uh, emotional uh, mastery and an emotional intelligence, uh, being social and helping uh, plan the, 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 the family, yes. what goes on inside the family, is not women's work. It's couples. Absolutely. And, and you hear that all the time. And if I didn't plan it, we'd, we'd never go anywhere. If it wasn't for me... And it's sad a lot of times, you know, ha-ha, but, you know, you start getting resentful after a while. It starts growing. It does. And the guy often doesn't have, you know, he doesn't really have a clue no, yeah. about it. Although after he's, it's pointed out, I've many guys I talk to go, you know what, I, I was lazy about that because it was Easter. Mm-hmm. She seemed to be better at it, and so I just... Let her do it. And, you know, it really is a dance between the couple. I mean, he was lazy, um, and she may have felt that she was able to control some act. I mean, it really is a, a dance that they do with each other, and they have to change the song because it's not working for them anymore. Completely. So it's, it's a system problem. Yeah. It, it really is. Yeah. And, and and I know from the men's side of it, he's like, well, I work and bring in the paycheck, or maybe mm-hmm. you both work or whatever, and I fix the the, the fence and and so yeah she does that part and if and if you've talked about it and that's okay like you both like that yeah I mean you know this is not one size fits all no, no. don't talk about 
the division of, of responsibilities. And, and also it leaves, um, it, 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 there, there, again, we were talking about that bringing new things to the relationship. Yes. You know, so if a man walks in and says, honey, I made some plans for Friday night, uh, and you know, whatever is it, I mean, she, she'd be like, you mean plans? <laughs> so amazing. It's foreplay. Oh my God. Oh, I always, I say, I say, you want to, you, you want to have sex on Friday? Do you just yeah. look for a foreplay on Monday? That's it. Um, I mean, come on, get it, get it to be learning something to, you know, how does work your, work your way? Come on. Right. And here's what men have learned. Again, one of those fallacies that we were taught, and that's uh, a happy wife, happy life. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the problem with that is that it, it, men don't know what that, what it would mean uh, because they think it means acquiescing all the time. Yes. Yeah. Whatever you want. Or, or giving her whatever or, or you know, it, almost following her whims. I mean, whatever. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, or whatever or she... not not taking any leadership in mm-hmm. relationships. So sometimes I say to guys, I say, okay, uh, here, here's what you, first thing you're going to do. Next time she says, where do you want to have dinner? Have an answer. Yes. Okay? Have an opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Don't say... I don't care. Where do you want to go? It's, you, you want to smack him in the head. You really do. Because it's like, I, correct me if I'm wrong, Maria. <laughs> Does it feel like uh, another decision I have to make? Absolutely. And then you get home from dinner and your husband wants to have sex. It's like, yeah, I mean, here's another thing. You're at the I have to do. Yeah, it, it just is one more job after I'd been, you know, working all day today. I just wanted to go out and join myself and relax. And here you are. Yeah. I want to be taken out. Sometimes. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I believe that the feminine uh, in the relationship, the, the woman, uh, really loves being taken on an adventure. I do. But she doesn't want to be the adventure. <laughs> so true. Right? That's yeah. so true. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. You know, I want to I want to ask you just based on this conversation we're having. Oh, Kim, do, do you have any more steps for us? Oh yes, well we didn't finish the steps, so we're going to listen. With we'll just go through them quickly. Okay. There, the, the other two are really easy, but the first, the big ones are you listen with empathy and no judgment. This is really important. No, no, think deciding whether this person is right, wrong, good, and bad, out of their mind, whatever. And no agenda also. That goes with the not fixing. Agenda is like, okay, I know how to. you need to change. You have to change and I'll help. I'll either help you change or make you change or whatever. Mm-hmm. People sense those attitudes. You don't really hear them. They pick it up. And so you come with agenda and, and judgment and people don't want it. They, 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 Put up a wall, and they don't when want to talk. You feel like you're being manipulated and bullied with the agenda. Yes. So you come without an agenda. Let that go. You validate the emotions, even if you don't fully. You don't have to agree 100 mm-hmm. percent the facts of what the person's saying. What you're saying is you're human. You have emotions, and you have a right to them. And I'm going to listen to those mm-hmm. and, and be with you. The third thing is what we uh, said about. Uh, if appropriate, you know, in other words, if it seems like, you know, the person is really saying, do you have any advice or 
And you let them decide whether they want help. I like that. Right? Um, or you can say very, very care, you know, you very easily, anything I can do to help? Mm-hmm. Again, it's putting it in their lap. It's putting it in their power. Uh, and then the guess what? Guess what the fourth thing is? Thank them. Uh, Thank them for letting you in for sharing. Or it, it's you're basically saying you're acknowledging that it is not easy to be vulnerable with another human a lot of times, and you're saying, uh, "Thank you for trusting me with your feelings." Oh, I love that. And and this is true for men and women because men don't deal with feelings very well, yeah. and we don't want anyone to to like you know we we feel. A lot of times, like, I'm not going to reveal my feelings because I might get hurt. Right. Uh, so if someone actually says, no, I understand how you feel. I get it. And I love that. I love that. And so that those are the four steps. I mean, that's it. You, you can also validate as much as you want. Nobody, everybody loves a certain amount of, val- you know, any validation. Yeah, and throughout the steps, huh? Yes. And there's a quote I read, and I wish that I could tell you who wrote it, but it's hmm. a, someone who wrote, I, I believe the book was called Care Enough to Listen and Listen Enough to Care. Okay. And uh, I may be wrong, uh, but here's the essence of the quote. Being seen, understood, and uh, and, and really uh, ex- accepted by someone else is indistinguishable for most people from being loved. Oh, that's yes. Yeah. I read that, I really read it like two months ago. And it, yeah. I mean, oh my God, that is so true. It is so true. You really see me. You really see me. Yeah. And and that that feels, that has the feeling of being loved. It's like, wait a minute, listening to someone and understanding them and not judging them, and the person comes away with the feeling of being loved. Mm-hmm. That's extraordinary. It is extraordinary. It absolutely is. You know, you um, also, Tim, you do retreats with men once a year, don't you? I do. In fact, I'm, I'm, I have a retreat coming up this Sunday. <laughs> Sunday. Yeah. Well, yeah. you get together, right, with a group of men and men who are scratching their heads trying to figure out where in the world what would happen to this relationship they thought was, you know, picture perfect. And as you work with these men, and you you work with a small group, if I remember. Right, about 10 guys. About 10 guys. And you work with these guys, what do they want from a woman? What is it? Oh, wow. Uh, If we crack that nut completely, I'll I'll cut you in on the millions of dollars. Uh, (laughs) And the same thing was, what do women want, right? Mm. uh, But... there's a few things, and I mm. think that, uh, well, one of the things w- uh, men crave is respect. Mm-hmm. And respect meaning not, you know, I, I, sir. Not right. Respect, but respect like I appreciate who you are, mm-hmm. what you do. I, respe- I, res- I respect who you are as a man. I like mm. who you are as a man. Now, the problem with that is that a lot of men don't know who they are. Yeah. Yeah. Meaning, they don't know what their values are and how to stand on those values mm-hmm. uh, in a solid way. Say, so these are my values, these are my boundaries, these are the things I believe in, these are the things you count ah. on me to be and do. 
that's one of the things we we get men to do is is actually write that down. Oh, it, it's epic, and it's something too that I do when I work with my couples. What are your values? What are your goals? Let's talk about this. Let's get on the same page. Couples don't talk about these basic things. No, because we didn't know that was part mm-hmm. of it. And so, and and then and I say, I said, look, you you have you if she wanted her to respect you, you have to have give her something to respect. Oh, that's so true. Not, I don't know where do you want to go eat. Oh my god. So so that's one thing I think that's important to men for sure because it helps them feel like they have a place in the world and that they have a partner who sees. And again, it, it kind of goes back to I see you, I get you, I understand, yes. and I yes. care. I, I love you. Um, so, so that's that's something. And then they also uh, they want to have better uh, feel that they can understand their mate better, mm-hmm. and that their mate understands them. And so that they there's a, there's a difference, and you know, men and women are different. Mm-hmm. That's a shocker. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, it, it being understood, I think, is really important. Like. I think a certain way. So if I'm if I start going towards what's the problem, how do I fix it? Understand that, and you can even tell me, hey, I don't need it fixed. Oh, okay. I I know guys who actually start a conversation by saying, wait, before we start, is there something I need to fix? Or you want to be listening? You just want to be yeah. heard? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and I'll turn on whichever switch you know. You, and but that really helps guys. We're much more literal. Sure. Sure. And as soon as a guy can understand that being heard is just as important as having something fixed, if not more, they're like, oh, okay, I can do that. And you know, I, I think women, too, really appreciate when they know that their guy is trying, when they know that they're putting an effort into being a better partner. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I, I think that goes both ways, but it is. I think it goes both ways. But especially, I think it goes for, uh, you know, men who aren't as necessarily demonstrative about something. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Right? And, you know, the the thing that's changing in our world, one guy at a time, is that women have always had a lot more support. Oh, absolutely. And they create it. They create it. It's absolutely self-created. Uh, yeah. So it, this is not a, you know, uh, we're not over here going to a pity party. Well, us. No, I'm, women are amazing at creating connection, creating community. Uh, I joke that, you know, three women go to the bathroom together at a restaurant. They come <laughs> back and they've they've formed a mastermind and a, and a <laughs> support group. That's true. And, Men walk into the bathroom and they're standing there and they're like, if you talk to me right now, I'll punch you. Yes. Yeah. You don't yeah, go I mean, in the bathroom in the men's bathroom. <laughs> yeah. This really isn't the place here. And um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, isn't it basically locker room and, and not? Yeah. But even locker room is like, yeah, how, how about Broncos, you know? Yeah. Uh, when men can start to mentor each other and help each other, it's going back to elders passing down the wisdom. I love that. It's so healing and, and necessary so that that way, the man's not coming to his relationship saying, you have to be everything for me. Exactly. 
you have to teach me and lead me and and facilitate and pick up all the pieces and do all the social everything 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 right and sex yes yes well Jim, you're doing that i mean you found an avenue well and it really does sound like you were led there you found a need and and you're out there trying to help trying to get men to uh, just to be the best they can be which makes you the best that you can be you know oh yes. is it a uh, physician heal thyself exactly i gotta say you you, mm -hmm. you you figured it out it's like a bit of a selfish motive mm -hmm. it improves my life so much yeah to, to be of service and yeah you're right i took what was one of probably one of my greatest wounds mm -hmm. turned it into uh gifts that i could offer oh and matt that's that's why we're here that's why we i love that i love that i have a question for you okay are you ready for me to hold your feet to the fire? I'm ready. <laughs> Good. I've got three questions for you. The first one, what couple would you consider the best relationship example, alive or dead, any couple? Wow, that's a... Yeah. Oh, my. Um... I'm going to say kind of an odd one. Um, and um, it's Mel Brooks and... Um, and Bing Backman. Oh, I like that. And there's a reason for that. Um, I don't never... I met Mel Brooks once, but I don't, never knew them. But I read an interview um, with him and her, and, and they had so much respect for each other. Mm. They had so much respect for how different they were from each other and that they loved that. And um, and the fact that they kept a sense of humor in their relationship and were together for so long, long term. He even quoted, he said, uh, or she said this, she said, one time they were arguing and he go, went to go like try to hug her and calm her down. And she said, don't touch me. My body is my instrument. <laughs> and he said, in that case, play me, play me Melancholy Baby. <laughs> well, I can hear Melbourne saying that. Exactly. And and then they both broke down, laugh, broke up laughing, and uh, he hugged it. And, mm -hmm. and I thought, yeah, that, that to me, uh, you know, there's lots of other great couples. You know, I think the Obamas are great, a great couple seems like yeah. in that. And, and, but when I look at the idea that when you can keep levity in it and remember, uh, love this person. And I, and I, 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 I'm not their enemy. Mm -mm. We're not enemies here. We're partners. And, and what's so amazing too, is that they both have, or had the most distinguished career, uh, you know, careers. They both were, um, given awards and other, they had their own glory and they were able to come together and just be that couple. Yeah. Yeah. And to be that in a, in a, in a, a situation in Hollywood where couples don't last. No, 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 they don't. No, they don't. You ready for number two? Ready for number two. Okay. Who's your same-sex crush? Who's <laughs> <laughs> my same-sex? Well, if I had a crush on a guy, it would be George Clooney. 
Oh, yeah. He's up there for a lot of people. I think so. He's just, Yeah. Male, female, bird, giraffe. Everybody, yeah. And, yeah. and you know, he's 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 got to be the... He's like the, the modern Cary Grant. You know, you know what? He, I can see that. He's got he's he's a man's man, but he's yeah. also you know smart and funny and 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 all that and suave and so and, charming and charming. Yeah, open and good sense and, of humor. Yeah, here's the thing: is that uh, I, I used to know his his production partner and yeah. a long time ago before he worked with him. But I read an article, and but I know him well, and and his judgment of people is pretty good. And and he said he's just one of the best people I've ever met. Best wow. people, male yeah. or female. He's just a genuinely good person. I love that. And so, yeah, that that I'm very much, uh, uh, I don't know what they call it. They have so many words now, like sapiosexual and all that. I know. But I'm, I, I'm much more about someone's personality or their yes. or being than, than their looks, you know? Yes. Even though he looks pretty, he looks pretty good for a guy too, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's interesting because when I was, and I stopped doing it because it got to be just too much work. But I was on a dating site for a while, and people kept on mentioning, um, "What is the word where you're in love with the mind?" That's sapiosexual. Yeah. Okay. Yes, and I, I, I didn't know what they were talking about, so I had to look it up. And I'm like, "My God, things have changed," you know. People yeah. are putting this on their other profile now. Number three. Damn, ready. Okay. What is your number one best relationship advice? Well, number one. There's so many. There's no. There's so many number ones. Yes. Uh, but I think if I had to pick one thing that, that mm-hmm. could, could be a game changer, and that is to always look at your partner with as much regard, high regard, positive regard as you possibly can. See them through the lens of uh, what you love about them and that they are, that everyone is always trying to do their best and that if they step on your toes, it's usually not on purpose. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so if you can hold them in basically within love and see them with those lenses a lot of things take care of themselves a lot of things become unimportant mm-hmm. that are that you know maybe used to bug you in the past and stuff mm-hmm. but instead you you have the positive outlook of like you know that you uh see this person as whole yeah you see them as not broken you see them as a loving human being at their core and that their behavior is very different than who they are. At any moment, we can do we can have bad behavior. We all do it. I snapped at someone. I cut someone off in traffic. Yeah, yeah. But it's about seeing your partner. Who are who do I know them to be for real? And come back to that. Always. Come I back. love that. I love that. I have always said, um, just you know, when I talk about what I would like in terms of a relationship, and I always come back to walking in a room where my partner is and having that person's eyes light up. Mm-hmm. I want somebody's eyes to light up whenever they see me. That's awesome. That's, that's what I want. Well, so- it says a lot, not just mm-hmm. the fact that they, I'm sure, adore 
would adore you because mm. I was even thinking just the idea that you walk in a room, maybe there it's a cocktail party and they're mm. talking to other people, but they know you walked in and they turn towards you. I love that. I love that connection. Right. That idea is like, yeah. there's, there's my partner. There they are. Mm -hmm. I love it. Yeah. I love it. That's a good one. Well, I tell you, I am so grateful, Tim, that you spent this time on the vow. Oh, me too. It was, this was fun. It was fun. Absolutely. Well, thank you for having me on. Let's do oh, it. Boy, thank you for, for being on the show. And I'm going to put um, Tim's information in the show notes so you all will know how to reach him, so you can read about him, you can read about his retreat. And you have two books out, don't you? And one is uh, How to Diffuse the Divorce Bomb, I believe. How, how, how to Diffuse the Divorce Bomb is an online course. It's an online course. Men who are facing a, that kind of marriage crisis. And that's the second thing. I have an ebook, a little ebook called mm -hmm. My Wife Wants Space. Yeah. Which yeah. a lot of men here, right before they head towards separation, is and they don't know what to do, what it means, anything. Um, so can I just give them the address where to go? Please do. Okay, you can go to www.lionhearted.men. So it's not .com, it's .men. That's actually an extension. So lionhearted.men. And I was saying earlier, how, how perfect is that .men? I didn't even know they had it until I stumbled across it. Yeah, it's not something. You were meant to have that. You were meant to have it. Well, I thank you so much. And I thank Oliver Lindsay for spending time with us. And if you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review. Review this podcast. Thanks again, Kim. Thank you, Maria. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye.